0: Welcome to another episode of the self storage insight podcast today joined by Brett copper, and we're going to discuss remote management, hybrid management, and traditional management for self storage facilities. Super excited about this episode and looking forward to hearing, uh, Brett's thoughts on it, as well as, uh, having a good discussion on different management styles for different businesses. So, uh, Brett, thanks for joining me excited to have you on the show today. You know, I see a lot of, a lot of people talking about it on social media and stuff like that, and almost. Just because they have property management software, they think they're a remotely managed facility, yeah. um, and so maybe we just start there as far as the difference between remote management, hybrid management, and what what does that kind of look like for a business?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, when we started this, it really every store we do is fully remote, and so you know even still, ninety nine percent of our stores end up being fully remote. What we found. The the big difference would be having instead of uh, a person that never interacts with tenants and that's there maybe one two days a week to do an audit of the facility, lock checks, clean the property. Because even for remote, you still have to have a human being go by the facility, but it's in extremely limited capacity. And really, their only job is the physical condition of the facility, putting on overlocks, doing those kinds of things. In a hybrid sense, you really have some flexibility. Uh, where they can you can have a person that maybe has some office hours or that uh, even if it's three days a week part-time 20 hours or 40 hours it can be anywhere in between Um, maybe they can meet tenants in our world now that we're launching this as an option for people especially for bigger stores because we decided to offer this really because the market asked for it there were a bunch of people that said you know, we like remote, but our stores are 80,000 square feet, a hundred thousand. And we just don't want to, um, you know, we're not fully in, into it. We think a store that big should require somebody there or I want them there. We said, okay, we, we can make that work. And so really the difference for us is we kind of made them concierge like a storage concierge. So you okay. know they don't have um, like a point of sale on site. So they're not working behind a desk, just taking cash and doing those kinds of things. Really, what they're there for is we'll post some office hours for them to come in, and then they can just help a tenant with the process while they're taking care of the physical facility. So if a tenant wants to know how to rent, they could have an iPad or they could uh, show them on their own phone. Like here, you're going to scan this QR code. I could show you a unit if you wanted, but they're mm-hmm. really not going to be you know behind a cash register taking payments and so the hybrid approach is putting someone there that can really uh, interact with tenants if necessary while still handling the regular responsibilities of a remote facility which would be the physical aspects but then the big difference between hybrid and a fully manned facility or traditional model Is in that model, the manager does everything, you know, they're doing the auctions, you know, they're probably helping with rates, and revenue management, marketing, um, while also being the maintenance person. In this Mm -hmm. case, hybrid, they're not doing those things, we still use our separate departments like marketing, like auctions, uh, to handle all those. And so it's a really limited, easy, simple capacity for that hybrid manager to really just focus on the facility and then helping tenants and interacting if necessary.
0: Right. And I mean, I think that would kind of lower as far as like the risk for the business, as well as bringing on an employee, if they're not handling cash and check payments and, and that sort of thing, as well as, um, you know, it is nice to have somebody in some of these facilities where it's climate controlled and you have hallways and and to kind of show somebody what a unit might look like without them already having to have signed up and got an access code to get into the building and that sort of thing. Um, it It is a, a really good a viable option for some of these businesses to have that person there. And again, they don't have to be you know it's not as hard of a person to find yeah. that's going to actually run the whole facility the the auctions and all that stuff that that's a big undertaking for somebody that doesn't really know much about storage or bringing somebody in off the street to man a facility like that
1: it, to your point, it's so easy to find someone to do these basic tasks, right? Because if all if all you're responsible for is the physical facility, you know, you're doing some maintenance, you're cleaning, all those responsibilities. And then as far as tenants go, you're just showing units or explaining how to rent a unit. At the end of the day, that that's really simple. So to your point, if that person leaves or if you have high turnover, which is the biggest problem with manned facilities, right. is they have Extremely high turnover, your whole business is kind of on shutdown until you find a new manager. If that person leaves with Mm -hmm. the hybrid approach, you can interchange those people so easily. And we still rent units, we still get the facility taken care of in the meantime. If you do have turnover, so I I like how you said it with less risk. It truly is um, an easier model where you're not so reliant on the person, but you can still have some of the benefits of having a person.
0: Right. And I mean, it, yeah, the, the reason uh, that I kind of went there too was I just was talking to somebody yesterday that owns multiple locations with the traditional model, like he manages multiple locations but has an employee at each location. And they said that the hardest thing for them was finding good employees and keeping employees staff, you know, the staff was the was the most the thing that they struggled with the most within storage. And so if you can kind of eliminate some of that where it's not like, man, I'm bringing somebody on to completely manage a facility and do all of these other things that they have to learn how to do. And you're training multiple people at multiple facilities at one time. Like it, it can be a pretty big undertaking depending on the sizes of your facilities.
1: That's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. So
0: awesome, yeah, and and uh, very good clarification as well on you know the difference between the remote manage. How how uh, how many clients do you feel like, or how many people do you talk to that are leaning more towards the hybrid option? And what sizes of a, of a facility mainly is that what they're looking for?
1: You know, so uh, for size first, typically when people get over five hundred units, they start talking about it. You know, if you're under five hundred, unless an exception would be you have a facility let's say that when you buy it um it is extremely poorly ran it's got tons of capex issues need to be fixed it has homeless camps inside the unit or it's you know had this long string of issues and and on-site issues well then hybrid could make sense for a little bit smaller store sometimes to get that cleaned up even if that's a temporary measure uh but really the conversation starts over 500 units and then it still depends on the market what the owner wants I think once you get over even 70, 80,000 square feet it's good to go ahead and bake it in. Even if you're just fully on the remote side, you're better off to assume especially in a lease up or something in the beginning, what if we have some more hours and then kind of taper it back. Uh, but but really around, you know, 500 plus units people people start to need it I, I would say is uh, is kind of the the when we hear about it. And I would say out of all of our clients we talked to probably 10% of leads um, talk about hybrid. Uh, again, depending on size, it starts to go up. But I'd say overall about 10%. Before we were reluctant of even offering it, even though the market wants it. But I think now it's become so easy to manage these employees remotely um, because the infrastructure you know, already exists. It's pretty easy to implement. And then now there are groups like we... Um, we're going to use a company that does um, like the hiring and recruiting for us. And so they manage, they pay the employee on all oh, that nice. you know, ability. And basically these hiring agencies have become so profitable and, and uh, so efficient that even replacing that person and finding them now doesn't take near the resources that it used to. And so I right. think some of that tech, some of those new businesses that have come out and become more efficient make hybrid where it's easier to implement now than maybe it used to be with with the current infrastructure.
0: Right, for sure. And I mean, when when you talk about hiring an employee, for somebody that has never had a business where they've had to hire an employee, there's a lot of other questions that come with that, right? There's, you know, your payroll, like, I payroll taxes, all of that stuff. Like, There's a lot of other things that you're going to roll into additional expenses on top of just employee salaries that you kind of got to be prepared for. And those recruiting agencies, to your point, take a lot of that off because now I'm just paying them and they're taking care of all of the other stuff. Um, At least the ones that I've worked with in the past, they're paying for vacation time and health benefits and all of those other things that come into it when you when you're bringing on employees that that are a lot of questions that then the business doesn't have to be stressing out about for sure so uh yeah that yeah that's a really cool option
1: and to your point uh you know which i didn't know this about those agencies because forever we've always just hired you know even for all of our previous businesses with on-site managers i've hired and trained hundreds of them and we I never knew that they'll even do, like you said, benefits, vacation times. And because of the volume of those agencies that that end up you know, being the one that's paying them, all of those services are really cheap. Where for an independent operator, right. if you just have one employee as a one-off owner in a facility, you really can't afford, uh, you know, it could be $70,000, $80,000 a year by the time you add up all those benefits and expenses, where in this role... Sure. We can really find people for 50 grand a year and have all of those other services and stuff that they need because it is a simplified role, but because of these agencies being able to provide those benefits at a lot lower cost.
0: Right, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that businesses need to be considering as well as they're looking to bring employees on if they're not remotely managed or hybrid managed, you know, just some things that people may not think about, you know, before if they've never brought employees on. So how how much how much do you feel like that the current market is playing into the, the hybrid movement, where it's like, it's a little bit harder to get my occupancy up, it's a little bit harder to get people in the door. Uh, Having somebody there seems to help with larger facilities as far as, you know, uh, somebody that they can contact or stop in and talk to. Uh, Is that part of what you feel like is pushing hybrid a little bit more is just the current status of the market?
1: I definitely think we're in a much more competitive place than we used to be. And the industry is having to uh, suffer a little bit to figure that out, especially the big guys and the big, big facilities. I mean, Forever since we've done this, even in 2008, we could really charge whatever we wanted to. We could do rate increases as often as we wanted to. I mean, it got to the norm where we were doing, you know, tenant insurance uh, in the first 30 days, you know, as soon as that 30 days is over, first rounds of rate increases. Most tenants uh, in the, the REIT model and big management company model were getting rate increases after three months and mm-hmm. in some cases 50, 60, 70% rate increases. And I think the market got to a place where they said we just we just can't afford this anymore you know the economy where it's at the nice. amount of people uh the amount that left people savings accounts in the last 12 months the amount of credit card debt people are finally at a place where they're like i i just don't need my stuff so i think there's a lot of changes the industry's had to make and i think one of those so you have the tenant side, which is, well, if it's more competitive, can we make the environment on the especially these bigger or more difficult stores a little bit more appealing to the tenant in case there are some issues? Can we improve customer service? And then for the big guys, it was like, we can't now afford to have three managers at every site. Uh, We can't go fully remote because we don't have the infrastructure. So where's the middle ground? And so you see all the big companies went to hybrid before trying to go to remote because they just don't have the infrastructure to go fully remote. So I think you've had a push on that big traditional model where the uh, tenants maybe wanted a little bit more, uh, especially for those giant stores. And then the management companies were like, we can't afford to keep doing what we've been doing. And so we're gonna meet them in the middle and do some sort of hybrid. So a lot of the Ah uh, traditional companies that you see offering some sort of remote or it really is hybrid is what they're doing. They went from multiple uh, full-time managers to maybe one manager that's working you know four or five days a week instead of covering that facility seven days a week. Um, and it'll keep, you know, the balance of the market is going to continue. They're going to keep trying to find ways, how do we cut that and then still meet tenant needs so we can get expenses down while also still capturing every rental that's possible. Um, And so it's kind of interesting to watch how quickly the business has changed in 12 months.
0: Right. And and one of the things that I, you know, um, I follow some other podcasts and I just, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people as far as how they, how they manage uh, rate increases, which I know we weren't really planning on talking about. But one thing that I am kind of curious to see is over like the next 12 months to 24 months, how the available occupancy will change what kind of the REITs are doing as well with their steep price increases when people move in. Because, you know, the last few years has been kind of a, this egg of like, that people can't leave there's nowhere to go right. everything's full so we can jack everybody's rates up and they can't really do anything about it and that is going to shift i mean for sure in the next 12 to 24 months to where are they going to have to change the way they price a little bit and then that will actually help the mom and pops and the smaller facilities as well because they don't have to do as much um you know, as far as internal work with raising rates and being so strategic with how they're trying to get people in the door with lower street rates and then trying to make their money back up on the back end. And so I'm kind of really curious to see like how the next 12 to 24 months plays out for for the storage industry and how it's going to change with it going back now to more of a normal setting for
1: storage. And we, uh, I mean, we've got facilities competing with REITs where the REIT prices have gone down to $12 10 by 10s. Um, $4 five by fives. Um, I mean, it, it's crazy. unbelievable how fast it sank. But you you think about it with that traditional model. And it's why remote and hybrid have exploded. Because with the traditional model, if your rates and you're paying these exorbitant fees, uh, exorbitant payroll, where the average for a traditionally you know big managed store, whether it's a REIT or one of the giant management companies that do traditional is eighty dollars to $100,000 payroll a year and then you look at 40 grand worth of marketing you look at not getting tenant insurance you start to add all these things up and you're paying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in expenses how can you afford selling a 12 dollar 10 by 10 right. and it's already started where even that's not enough they've realized that doing the quick rate increases they're having to push the rate increases out i mean there are some markets that have become so tapped that turning off rate increases temporarily for the next three to six months is the only viable option to continue to stifle move-outs. I mean, our business has never been in in that area where you've ever even considered turning them off, but the market just can't bear it. And so collections are at an all-time high. uh, Auctions are at an all-time high across the board. Break-ins are at an all-time high across the board for, for all of these different companies. And it's because economy is where it's at and so people cannot afford uh to go buy groceries and keep their storage unit and so all these people are saying just take my stuff like it's not worth enough for me to keep doing this and i think the mistake we're making is it's not even necessarily about the amount of money. It's about the amount of times we're touching tenants right now, because if we kept them steady in those bad markets, we're already seeing, we, we've tested it with facilities um, where no one seems to have the answer, no the competitors have the answer, and we're delaying those rate increases or turning them off temporarily in the poor performing stores. And in the last couple of months, they've had some of their best performing uh, you know months in the last 12 months. And I mean, it's the worst time of the year. So I think people are gonna have to get unconventional for how they run these facilities, because doing what we always did uh, is not the solution right now. So it's interesting to see people try to catch up and adapt and figure out the solution.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to another storage owner the other day that has about 500 units. And he said right now he does quarterly auctions. He still does in-person auctions. He likes to do that for the community, whatever a bunch of people turn up for him. So he does a quarterly auction and he's auctioning off 40 to 50 units every quarter. Out of, out of 500 units. So, I mean, that, that's really something that you have to kind of prepare for with when the market starts to turn and the economy starts to drop a little bit is that your expenses are going to increase from, from all of those turns in the market. And then, yeah, m- moving rates are down right now with interest rates being up, which clearly affects move-ins and people looking for storage. And so there's it is it is a very interesting industry where there's a lot of changing there's a lot of moving pieces that you really have to stay on top of and so i mean to 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 what you do if if somebody's not willing to manage a facility or work full time to run their facility they really need to find somebody to work with that is because it is a full time investment for somebody to be working that facility right as far as somebody investing and understanding what's happening in the markets what changes are happening in the industry versus an independent owner that owns a couple hundred units and just tinkers with it right i guess is the is the best term i could come up with but uh so yeah anyway i just thought that was interesting as far as you know when the when the industry or the market takes a downturn how much expenses can change from that for a storage facility So, so what are some of the things to think about? Like if I'm, if I'm thinking about going fully remote or uh, using a third party remote management service, um, as far as the expense that that's going to bring on for my business versus the things that it's going to save me in CapEx expenses, what are some of the questions that you get asked or what are some of the things that you've learned from that?
1: Yeah, one of the big ones is um, a lot of people have this assumption based on uh, you know other groups or or things that have you know articles have been written, whatever. That it requires um, a really expensive tech package. I mean, that's probably one of the first things we ever get asked. Well, okay, so am I going to have to use Bluetooth locks? Am I going to have to use these smart camera systems and right. uh, sensors in every single unit? The answer is no. I, at the end of the day, we found for simplicity's sake. If an owner wants to have unit alarms or they want to have uh, better camera systems, that's great. And we, we certainly, it, it can never hurt. But at the end of the day, even things like Bluetooth locks with the price that they are, how expensive it is, um, the issues that some of those facilities are experiencing now with some of those products. Um, and again, every, everyone's experience a little different, but it's hard to even justify that. So I think one of the first places is you don't have to have these tech packages that are expensive to be able to run it remote you do need to have um you know a gate that's integrated with uh you know software system that way it is unique codes it locks people out you need to you know use a lock system like davinci locks you need to at least have cameras even if it does not have to be sophisticated but i think good lighting as well all of those uh aren't even though necessarily specific to remote i, I think for most right. facilities you have those things but for remote it, it certainly helps I think for the expense side, uh, payroll is obviously the first common sense thing that people go to. Of well, I could save money in payroll, which is 100% true. You know, if the average mm-hmm. rate for full time manager is fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year now, that's a big thing to cut off overnight by switching to uh, like a boots on the ground. Let's say it's a fully remote facility, and you've got someone going by one, two days a week. The average for that for that 10, 99 person is probably six hundred bucks a month. Um, so you're talking about $7,200 a year versus fifty dollars or $60,000. That's a huge trade-off. Right. Um, we've also just found a lot of the supporting structure costs just aren't the same. You don't have the office cost, uh, you know, even some of the internet costs, business supply costs you know, to support that person. Um, you're not paying for vehicles or mileage or gas or any of those things for the employee traveling or, or doing things at the facility. So I think... Overall, there are a lot of ancillary uh, expenses that, that kind of disappear with the model. And so, if you use a management company, you're always going to pay a management fee. You know, you're always going to have software. Um, you're going to have your payment processor fees or whatever the case is. Uh, but when you can cut the biggest expenses, which are payroll and those supporting costs, it makes a makes a big difference. Um, and even then, products like DaVinci and stuff really aren't, aren't expensive at all. I, I think people are shocked sometimes to realize how simple remote can be. Um, and there's a misconception that it has to be this crazy high-tech that old people won't understand or that tenants are going to get confused by. And we certainly have tested those products in the beginning. Uh, but at the end of the day, we found that a simple, low-cost solution ends up being the best. So I do think if you're going to do remote yourself, you do need to use a call center. You know, that's probably mm-hmm. one of the, the most important pieces. If you try to run that business without someone to answer the phone at least, you know, 8-12 hours a day every day, you don't want to miss out on rentals. So, I would say if you're doing it yourself though, you do need to incorporate some sort of expense uh in your mind for call centers, which could run anywhere from right. 400 bucks a month to, you know, 1000 bucks a month depending on size of the facility.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so it uh, with the model with the model it's itself. Do you see a lot of like one location facilities going remote, or is it mainly people that have multiple facilities and they want to be able to scale?
1: So, in our case, we've got hundred and eighty some odd uh, physical locations, and I think we have right around fifty owners, okay. uh, which is really um, for people that aren't aren't in the third party management business. That's a really high. Uh, rate of dilution. So, most management companies have more ownership to uh, less number or more facilities to less number of ownership. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it's interesting. We've had so many independent owners with one off facilities going this route. Uh, because if you're fully remote, especially as a management company, we don't have to be geographically close. You know, the right. way that we hire reboots on the ground. Sure, it always is going to be a little bit of benefit if they have multiple facilities in an area. But at the end of the day, the best part about remote is you don't have to support the physical uh, infrastructure of having a district manager that can drive there, having these on-site managers that they need to go visit. And you can do all of this remotely. So um, I, I would say we have a good mix. And, and we also have clients with thirty e-facilities. Don't get me wrong, but we have so many one-off facilities, uh, which is kind of unique as far as management companies go. Okay,
0: yeah. And uh, as far as uh, maybe uh, just to f- kind of wrap wrap up the remote the remote side of it, the one other piece of it I think that's out there a lot is the maintenance of a facility, right? There's, there's a lot of things that go into, if I'm running my own facility, I spend a lot of time on maintenance. Uh, there's a lot of things that I have to plan for with maintenance. How involved is the remote, like how does remote management handle the maintenance of a facility?
1: Yes, so first is uh, during the onboarding process, or, or if you're if you're even turning your own facility remote, you really have to get a good list of CapEx needs. And so um, usually if you're buying a new facility, that would involve going to the facility, doing audit of the facility, um, going through looking at doors, hasp a condition of the asphalt, do we need new cameras? Do we need supplies there? How's the lighting? All of these things uh, matter. And so once you really get an understanding of what conditions the facility is in, then it becomes, uh, okay, what's the best method to, to take care of those? In most cases, uh, the way that we do it is we just have, you know, district managers who then go in and they'll get that list. We prioritize it with the owners. We say, look, we would recommend knocking out all of these first in this order. Here's gonna be the cost we call and get bids to knock those things out. So it's very, almost identical to uh, how the traditional model works. You know, mm-hmm. in most cases, the manager is not the one out there replacing doors or cameras or, or whatever, we're using vendors. And so right. now it's, it's so easy to find these national services that will find you local high rated vendors with good reviews, whether that's mm-hmm. like Angie's list or any of those services next door or whatever. Right. And uh, so it's pretty easy, it, I think, you an owner just has to be realistic of make sure you do your due diligence and you don't have surprises get your inspections done uh because getting the work done and managing that's pretty easy nowadays but you don't want to be surprised by maintenance that that you just didn't expect or that you didn't see coming
0: okay awesome yeah and then uh Maybe my last question on it for for today, anyway, I I think we covered a lot of of information and a lot of topics would be, if I'm looking to go remote, how quick of a turnaround can I get automated from me running a facility or a manager running a facility to up and running with a third-party remote management company?
1: Yeah. So every company is a little different, but uh, in our case, um, you know, we, we really need 30 days. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's emergency launches we've done in six days, uh, but to make sure everything is working correctly, the transitions uh, goes smoothly, you know, at least 30 to 60 days, 30 being uh, kind of a minimum up to 60s is plenty um, and just have to have good expectations. Like it, it is like ripping off a band-aid If it's a facility, mm-hmm that has never been remote. And it's used to the same manager that's been there 20 years. They've never done rate increases. They don't do tenant insurance. There are a lot of changes we're going to make in the first 120 days. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to be able to communicate those changes with the tenants up front, be honest with them, don't beat around the bush, tell them what to expect, and then make those changes. And so that's kind of a every once in a while that first 30 days and owners kind of on edge, like what's going to happen. But That's at the end right. of the day, when you do this so much as do other, you know, other companies in the business um, you, you realize that uh, the turnover is uh, pretty minimal uh, customer customers get over those changes. Usually in 30 days, they understand. And they're, you know, they just don't like change. I mean, you could come in and change the color of the building and they would still, you'd have tenants complaining about right. it. So changes uh, change. Right. Is you just kind of have to to move forward with it.
0: Yeah and and one thing to to your point as well yeah managing expectations i mean we deal with that a lot within you know setting companies up with property management software they come in they don't even really know what to expect and so then they just you know, like they have just these crazy expectations. And if we don't set them for, you know, right, right up front, like here's what to expect throughout this process. We do need your involvement. You're, you're going to have to provide information. Like, you know, there's no, there's no really seamless way. I don't think for a company to come in and start managing another company without the owner's involvement in some form or fashion of getting you the information that you need and putting some effort into that upfront initial turnover phase, um, and so we we run into that a lot as far as like, yeah, we've we've really had to kind of set expectations as we start working with a company of, you know, otherwise their minds just, yeah, they don't know what to expect. And then they just think that they're going to get this amazing thing and they don't have to do anything to get it. So um, right. yeah, managing expectations is always a big one for us, for, for us, for sure. So
1: I could only imagine, especially when there's so many other, you know, management softwares and you guys do something so unique and cool with how the pricing model works. It's just incredible, and so it's it, it's got to be funny. Like when they go to these uh, other long time, uh, you know, companies that really maybe don't provide as good customer service or don't have good pricing, and so you're tr- up, you're in an uphill battle, of, like trying to get them to understand. No, 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 we we're not that we're not that normal uh, old old time style of self storage uh, facility management software. Like we're actually doing something that's unique and benefits the owner. Because I think in the tech world and storage, we've gotten away from helping the owner. It's really more about returns for the tech companies. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have to really kind of change the expectation of, of those customers you're talking to.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and and to your point, it is a little bit different because we, we don't charge a monthly SaaS fee. We don't charge a setup fee. And so when you don't charge a fee, one of the biggest things that we run into is people almost think they're going to get even I don't I don't know how to really describe it. It's it's like it's too good to be true. So we're yeah. dealing with that objection like there's no way that you're doing all this without charging me. And then at the same time other people come back and they just want tons of things that you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get some of these features, but they don't want to spend any money to get it. Right. That's and right. so we deal with both sides of it and it, it's a lot of fun and it's a growing experience and the, yeah, we're, our company's rolling. So it, it's a lot of fun though. And uh, the storage industry it's in itself is uh, it's changing enough to where it really keeps you involved and you got to stay on your toes and be flexible. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. And I'm, and yeah, you deal with the same things so I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about there. So yeah. as far as your call center, I did want to just touch base on that really quick. I know you guys, a couple months ago, we talked, And you guys were starting to work with AI some as far Mm -hmm. as uh, do you have any information on that as far as what your results have been looking like? Uh, How much has that impacted your business?
1: Yeah, of course. In fact, uh, we'll we'll probably launch a case study here uh, in hopefully Q1 um, that we'll go through and look at maybe results previously and before. But for anybody that, that doesn't know, we we've, we've launched a service called Call Finder, which uses AI in the in the quality control process for the call center. So we use you know our quality control department actually physically listens to calls. So you know you have. Uh, human beings that go in and listen to these calls for agents every day and figure out, you know, where ways we can improve. Uh, is someone not doing their job well or, or whatever the case is? Are they following script, which anyone could understand that takes a long time, right? So that's right. one person listening to one call at a time. And then, so if you have a couple people in the department every day, listening to calls, how many calls can you get through in a full day, right? right. And so, uh, implementing AI, what they do is we still listen to the calls, but now uh, AI listens to you know 3,000 calls a month, I believe is what we're currently at, either 2,500 or 3,000. And then it immediately grades and analyzes. So it does so many calls for every agent. And so now you have this immediate analysis that can find the problems and only show you the issues. And so in our case, wow. you're searching for issues. And if you have one out of every calls might have an issue that takes a lot of calls to be able to find these things. But when all of a sudden the team is only presented with issues, it makes solving those issues so much faster. I mean, we've been blown away how good the process has been, how easy it was. And I think AI is going to continue to do that for us. I I don't like the idea of just getting rid of humans completely for AI results. But when you can use AI to make the human's job more efficient and then better at their job, I think the ceiling uh, is going to be pretty high for, for what we'll be able to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where AI is going to play its biggest role is in increasing the productivity of humans versus replacing humans. But uh, yeah, it, that that's awesome that it can do that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, yeah, your biggest time constraint with a call center, I, I actually worked with a call center a few years ago. We set one up for lead generation and stuff. And uh, yeah, QA for a call center is an absolute nightmare to me because you can only listen to a call on about one6 times the actual call speed and understand what's going on in that conversation. And you also have to be very engaged that entire time that you're listening to those. It's not like I can just listen to a call and hope I catch something and be doing other That's things. Right. Like it's a very, it's a very, you know, you have to be very invested in that. So uh, the, the fact that I can come in and present those issues to you makes your business so much more efficient. That's awesome.
1: It's cool too, you know, because you, AI will build out, you see this with like Google review aggregation services. So, you know, listing management services where for a long time, you know, we can see it'll present words to us and it's like gate issues, you know, at this facility is going to be the number one word and and then you have all these others. And so it makes it easy to figure out in order, what are the priority issues? What are one-off issues? What are things though that tenants really don't like? And the call center works the same way. It's like, okay, well, we're the same. Oh, okay, we understand when, when agents get to this part of the script, that they fumble this part. So maybe we need to rewrite the script or, Hey, the way we're answering this question, we get the same question all the time. So why escalate it? If we can go ahead and provide the agents with an answer right now for better service. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, the applications are are really limitless of, of, how we'll be able to take, you know, when you can do this much improvement over time and you have only this much left to do, it's a lot harder to get that last bit of improvement and so it's very right. incrementally and this will allow us to make those incremental improvements
0: that's awesome yeah and i look forward to yeah hearing more about how your case studies and stuff are or uh, maybe we'll just even do a whole podcast on ai stuff and uh, talk about the call center and everything too so that'd be a lot of fun so awesome well hey thanks for your uh, thanks for your time today man i appreciate it i always enjoy having you on the podcast with me and uh, i think we always get through some uh, pretty pretty good topics and stuff so it's a lot of fun
1: of course, man, thank you for having me and I'm glad to uh, see what you guys are doing. Your your business really is thriving and to me it's, it's one of the coolest models uh, in the business. So I uh, appreciate you as always.
0: This podcast episode was brought to you by CC Storage. CC Storage is a property management software that helps you pass the fees of credit card processing onto your customers so you don't pay credit card processing fees ever again. If you enjoyed the podcast, there's a link below where you can fill out a form and be interviewed on the podcast with myself If that interests you, please click the link below and we'll be in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to check back next week for another interview with another self-storage property owner.